This is Sound Heights Records Podcast, Session 12. And the song lyric of the day is by Butch Phelps. I woke up upside down, hanging to a cloud. I was twisting, turned around, woke up upside down. We were always careful not to cross that line. Get a little fearful from time to time. Open my eyes, it's all changed. My whole life's been rearranged since I woke up upside down. I'll be looking for you throughout the show. Welcome to the Sound Heights Records Podcast. Harmonizing life and music, growing as an artist, improving as a person, gaining insight and inspiration, conversations with world-class musicians. Welcome to Sound Heights Records. This is Yisrael Aryeh. We welcome today a deep musical personality, singer, songwriter, guitar player, drummer, band leader, Butch Phelps. He's coming out with a brand new album called The Elevators, which is also the name of his band, Butch Phelps and The Elevators. He has a real warmth to his playing, singing, and writing. And he also happens to be one of my oldest friends. We've played together in various projects starting way back in our freshman year of high school. So it was a real thrill to have him out to Crown Heights, to Sound Heights Records for this interview. We also got to play a little music together like old times. It was uh, Butch on the drums and me playing keys as we have done throughout our younger years. His main instrument has been guitar for many years, though he's really quite an exceptional drummer, and we discussed that a little bit in the interview. I'll be posting a jam that Butch and I did years ago, playing an original Brooklyn Jazz Warriors tune called Woodstock Legend. It was from 2007 in Woodstock, New York, a very early incarnation of the Brooklyn Jazz Warriors, featuring David Lewis on bass. He's always been a really superb drummer as long as I've known him, and that track is a really good example of his playing. Just another dimension to a truly multifaceted and talented musician. You can find it along with a plethora of other unreleased and pre-release Brooklyn Jazz Warriors Sound Heights Records tracks at soundheightsrecords.com slash rewards and at patreon.com slash Sound Heights Records. This session is made possible by our patrons, so please join our ranks supporting this podcast and all of the musical and video releases of Sound Heights Records. After the interview, stay tuned for a full version of a song from Butch's new album. The song is called Woke Up Upside Down. It's one of my favorite tracks from the album, and Butch talks a little bit about the origins of it at the end of the interview. Hope you enjoy our conversation with the incomparable Butch Phelps. It's good to have you here. Happy to be here, man. This is a great space. This is really awesome. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Um, 
maybe we'll have to we could play a little bit if you if you if you have the time and the, and the interest to jam a little bit Absolutely. afterward i like to uh you know capture the, the lightning while it's it's fresh it's fresh fun. lightning <laughs> so um let's start at the beginning mm-hmm. so obviously you know we know each other a long time mm. and so i might have memories of certain things or been unaware of certain things that you mm. went through that yeah. um so don't feel like you're repeating anything that, that i might have uh, heard before but, right so what what's your earliest musical memory well i remember it was funny my brother and i we you know my I, my two older sisters but my brother and i who's also older than i am he was always known as the drummer uh growing up and and this is like my earliest memories of music he was the drummer and I was the guitar player and they were always like, you know, growing up that was just ingrained in us and kind of like, he's the drummer, you're the guitar player. And as I got older and, you know, very early on, he started a band in our basement, probably, I mean, I must have been like six and he maybe he was eight or nine. I mean, they were really young. It was crazy. Uh, and a couple of kids from the neighborhood and they would just come over and, and play in our basement and I remember sitting there saying, you know, how, how being so happy about the music. And they were writing their own songs and everything. And I, and I still remember some of those songs. I know, you know, there's a bear in the air. You know, they, they, it was all about CB radios and stuff because that was what we were into at that age. You know, CB radios. And so I would sit on the stairs of our basement and watch them play. And there was like somebody on an old bongo and somebody on a, an old rackety guitar and... um my brother on the drums and and somebody on you know they would just all sing together and i just remember uh loving that and and really loving that so and you would play with them at no, like age no, six? no 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 i would sit there and watch them and just love it all yeah it was mm -hmm. great yeah it was cool um and uh i think that was it early on and then you know my parents were both big rock and roll fans they loved rock and roll you know they grew up you know, rock and roll hit them right at the first stages of rock and roll hitting the country. You know, um, my mom was a huge Elvis fan and my dad was a huge Chuck Berry fan and Buddy Holly and um, early rock and fats Domino and, and um, you know, the Everly Brothers. Well, the Everly Brothers, but also uh, the Mills Brothers, really. And um, just early rock and roll. And they, you know... They instilled in us when we would drive around in the car, and my mom would say, "Now who is this? Who is this? You know, mm. what what musician is this?" And um, and just you know, she loved the music, and she would get teary with Elvis and get amped with Buddy Holly and everything else. And it, it was just uh, music was a big part of our lives at the time. Yeah. So I, I w that's funny because I I didn't I knew that you'd learn you'd learn some piano from your mother. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember. I mean, I, I when I used to come over to your house mm -hmm. when we were kids. I don't remember her ever, you know, playing any music. Mm -hmm. or, you know, or, yeah. or I, I wasn't aware of that element. Mm -hmm. But I did notice. I did notice, of course, that your home was mm -hmm. always welcome to people coming and playing, and it's that true. was like a very unique home. You know, most parents like my own would, you know, just get an, you know, annoyed. Drums in the basement. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Music. Exactly. Exactly. So when, when my brother became a drummer through, you know, he would take lessons for drums and I would take guitar. 
uh, those were in our basement, and we would um, go down there. And I used to hate going down there and practicing because it was next to the furnace, and it would make all sorts of noises. But uh, he didn't mind it. And then you know, and eventually he went away to to boarding school, and uh, that drum set was just sitting there. And then um, I had my guitar, and then we had some people come over and say, "Let's let's play some music," and you know. Somebody brought that brought that keyboard and um, and then you know musicians started showing up you know and then we just you know starting probably freshman year we of high school we just started filling that room all the time with music and you know after school um, on the weekends you know all the time all the time. But that was your keyboard. I thought it was, that was Rajan. It was right. It was Rajan Amdars. I wasn't going to say that, <laughs> but yes, Rajan Amdar brought his keyboard over, and uh, yeah, and. Um, so that was we used to play in a, yes. a, high, a freshman band together. Yes, and then everyone would be jamming at like full volume, mm -hmm. and we'd wonder what Except Raj that. was up to. <laughs> and then as soon as we'd stop, we'd hear the the, the Casio yes. demos, <laughs> non mic, <-mic'd>. <laughs> no. just just playing. Yeah, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Yeah, um, yeah. So he like, brought that over. It would take some of the seriousness out of the out of the. <laughs> yeah, because we I was I was always very serious about it. Yeah. I was so like I remember being getting upset at everybody if we missed a change or, um, you know, we were rehearsing for battles of the bands in the at freshman I year, remember. right? Yeah, and I I remember um, really taking it very seriously and and trying to be focused and 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 make good music. I don't remember ever, you ever mm. getting upset, but yeah, you definitely mm -hmm. had a had a seriousness to it. Mm. We um not which I guess you can't say the same for every <laughs> every one of those guys in no. that band. No, no. No, cuz you know, everybody's just you know, feeling it out. Yeah. But that was like I, at the at the time I, that felt like a big break for me <laughs> like mm. that, Right. So the was, story is so yeah. that we were we had had a band. We we had, were starting a band. We had a battle of the bands coming up. We didn't have a vocalist. And we decided to try out a few vocalists and, we, and have people come over. So we packed a day with like, you know, it was like four or five people, dudes just coming over to sing with us. And in comes Josh, Israel, and, um, uh, you know, blew us away with his moves. He started dancing and singing. I think it was um, Franklin's Tower. Franklin's Tower, yeah. man. That Franklin Tower. He started doing his little dance as he sings, which he does probably still. And... Um, we were like, this is it. It's great. It's perfect. And and it played a, a great harmonica. Played a really good, uh, cool blues harp. So, yeah. That was, I mean, that, that, that was times where yeah. that was fun, man. Yeah, I, I used it was to, cool. Because like, that didn't, I don't think that lasted that long. I mean, how many gigs we played that band? Like, I don't know. Two. <laughs> yeah, two yeah, yeah. We but used to meet, we used to meet like, At that time, week. though, it was an eternity. Yeah, it yeah. felt like an eternity. We used to meet every week. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. And then I was, I was, I'd already played a little bit of guitar, but mm -hmm. I, I was inspired to to learn more guitar from hanging out um, with you in the basement. Yeah. You used to jam together, uh, and then so at at that time, I remember. So from my memory and so your uh, perspective of it, obviously, um, is your own. But so my memory of that time, let's say we were um, like, what were your thoughts? I I, I could tell you. For sure, I had like just no clarity. <laughs> it was just happening. Right. No goals really that that I could think of. You know, except besides maybe vague goals to be mm. like some kind of star or something. Like, but you know, certainly to get 
better at playing music and just to, to do it as much as possible. But what, were you, what was in your mind? You're talking about mm. taking it very seriously. Because I would never have read that. We never spoke about that kind of thing back then. But what would you have thought about then in terms of like where you wanted to go with it? Or were you also just kind of going along for the ride? Well, I, you know, I had been really into sports when I was a kid, and it was big in my family, and it was a big part of my upbringing, and I loved it, and I played well, and, I, and it, was, it was a big part of my thing. And really, freshman year was the time when I, you know, started thinking that that's not what I wanted to be doing with my time, and I, you know, started getting more into music, and, you know, and with that came different friends and a group, different vibe, and... Um, let the hair go out a little bit longer and, you know, and started to really um, ch move away from uh, being a, a athlete all the time. And that was a real decision that sent a lot of hard waves through my family and, and you know. Um, Even with your brother as a drummer? Well, he had, he had left drumming mm -hmm. when he went to boarding school and he never really picked it much up, mm -hmm. up again. So I was really the lone musician still. And he definitely stayed with athletics, and, and I was expected to stay with athletics, and, and I really didn't. And that was a hard thing that, that I went through at that time, really putting a hard stop on all that. And um, I felt like if I was going to send those difficult you know, vibes through my family, that I would take it seriously and, and not um, mess around too much with it. And um, so that was... I think I was kind of motivated in the back of my mind, like, uh, this carries some weight because I really did have to um, mess up some that some of those years um, with my family a little bit. Yeah. Mm. And, what, and what about, I mean, so when did that, or if ever, did that start to to change with the family? Or, do, I mean, in terms of, like, them accepting that, that you... I mean, obviously, at this mm -hmm. point, like, anyone, anyone like, at, at our point our age, who would have stuck with sports at that age, mm. would already be like done with sports and well, have yeah, necessity on with something else. And you're still playing more than ever. Right. You know, I mean, to me, that that, that strikes me as kind sure. of a wisdom I decision. Know. You know? I don't, um, yeah. Well, you know, I, you never know where life would take you. And right. I think their point was, um, you know, I remember them saying, or at least especially my father being, mm pretty adamant about how to get into a better college and how to, you know, change your life in that way. And, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, just a, a different mentality. So He felt like sports were the key to, to getting ahead in life kind of thing? No, I think it's... Getting into the right it's, college or, or socially or, or... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> he was thinking. But, but all I knew was I decided not to do that. Yeah. And, um, and when I made that decision, I decided that, I should I should do well with music or at least treat it seriously and some of these other guys didn't have that emotional weight behind it so they didn't care quite as much. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and then but that were 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 you so in the recent years I'm, I remember you I know I know you've been writing a lot of songs and you've mm -hmm. you've you know produced already a few albums. But back then were you were you thinking in terms of songwriting cuz I I don't remember that side of you. I you know Later, I remember yeah. you got into creative writing. That's right. Yeah. Right. But what? 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 So at that yeah. point, were you were you writing secretly? Were, I was. I was. I was writing secretly. I was listening to a lot of Cat Stevens. I remember. Yeah. And um. <laughs> and I was um. I remember writing a few songs and and um. You know, at that time, you know, you you really 
trying to express yourself and and but it comes across very cheesy obviously and i think at that time i remember playing a few of my songs for a friend and just and he was great you know he was great about it in, in the way he received them but i remember just really hating the feeling afterwards that i had mm. you know kind of played these songs and um are they good are they not good and all those all those emotions that i wasn't really quite ready for of, of how to have somebody else receive your material. So would you feel like exposed? I, I guess so. I just I just felt like you know, and this actually, yeah. I I just felt like nobody uh, could say the right thing at that time right. because I couldn't hear the right thing. Yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. So it was hard. So yes, it was all secret writing for for many years. Until when when did that change? I guess um you know, I mean, I was in a band uh, in, well, I mean, it, it didn't happen until probably thirty, right? And then you're you're in the band with uh, what's the name of that band? With, with the New Heathens, the right? New Heathens, right, the New right. Heathens in uh, in New York City, in between what oh four and oh and oh seven or oh eight. Yeah. So you had you had like one or two songs on on the the album, right? So that first album. song that I had on that album was the first time I'd really uh, written a song and played it out. Hmm. And that was a big deal for me. I, yeah. But you had like a whole bunch of songs that you still weren't yeah. breaking out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably. I, I didn't have, yeah, I mean, I went through, when I was in Portland, I wrote, and then when I moved to New York in uh, 02, I wasn't writing much. And then when I started this band, or we kind of, we formed this band in 03, 04. I was happy to be playing music again and jamming it out in the room and, and kind of, uh, and the, these guys were serious and they were wanted to play every week, you know, rehearse and get better and do a little touring and everything else. And I was like, this sounds great. Um, and then I kind of also realized that, hey man, uh, let's, I want, I should really keep writing. And so I contributed a tune and, and it, and it um, yeah. And then it, it just kind of snowballed from there. People liked it and they, I would, you know, it was like, all oh, right, so I should really write more tunes and play them out, and and, and um, yeah. So the bands before that, let's go backtrack a little bit. So then, because we knew each other in high school, and then we played together a lot, and then mm -hmm. we, and then you went to college. Mm -hmm. I saw you, you know, over more less uh, periodically over that time. I know you played in a couple of bands up in uh, Massachusetts, yeah, yeah, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I was then, always the drummer, you know. So that, that's the thing we didn't talk you, about. Like I remember, I remember seeing you were playing bass. Yeah, I was playing but you were mostly too. playing playing drums in that time. Yeah, right. because and, and you're a great drummer, man. I gotta say, you, you know. Yeah, at the time in high school when we when we got serious with music in sophomore, junior, senior, uh, there were better guitar players than I was, and not enough drummers. And I had the drum set, and. And I loved the drums, and so I would sit down there and play the drums all the time. So I became the drummer, default drummer, in a lot of bands in high school, and then in college I was the default drummer a lot too. But you never saw it. So how? So what? Where, how do you see yourself in terms of a, as a drummer? Is that something you never saw yourself? So obviously you you've gravitated towards playing guitar, fronting a band. Right, right. Um, how often do you get to play, or do you miss it, or is it something that you like? You didn't that's not a role that you felt like totally satisfied you 
as a musician? No, it totally it does satisfy me. The drums are amazing. <laughs> I love the drums like so so deeply. I, the drums are amazing, and uh, there's nothing like you know being in the pocket and 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 driving the pocket and you know whatever. Um, but uh, no, I play some drums uh, once a year, you know, a couple times a year. Uh, we do. A, there's a band that I kind of sit in with here and there, and um, and then I, and I actually give good, uh, some drum lessons to mm. a friend who has happens to have a drum set in their apartment, which is pretty rare in mm-hmm. New York City. So I uh, so I do I play some drums, you know, fairly frequently these days, but not not like full you know band style, and I miss it totally. I love it. Well, I guess the difference, obviously, between being a and playing guitar and being fronting a band mm. and playing the drums, typically, besides like the few like drummer leaders, is that you're essentially at the whim of somebody else's vision. I mean, you 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 provide the fire. I remember you mentioned you said something at one point that you felt you were, and this was maybe before, maybe before the New Heathens or around the time of the New Heathens, that um, you felt like you saw your role as like providing the fire mm. for, you know, somebody's thing. Mm. Is that what ring a bell? You're saying something like that at some point? I don't know. I, I think what what I bring um, to any project has fire for sure, but I don't know if I was the only one that had fire. I think they all kind of had fire. But at my particular brand, I thought is is unique, just like everybody should be have a particular unique fire that they bring to a project so you know i don't i don't well, I, mean, I mean as a, like a supportive yeah. role i'm i'm, I'm yeah, talking yeah, about a supportive sure. role versus yeah, a, supportive role. A, le- a leading role yeah because you cuz i know it, it like um to take that that step and to 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 lead i mean it's there's a responsibility i mean there's there's like a diff- mm-hmm. it's a different thing it's like it's you out there you you don't have it's like you're it is more exposed if like revealing your songs to somebody yeah, I, I guess it's a similar feeling. If your your band is, you know, their success or whatever, that if they have a, you know, um, sometimes you have a rough night or whatever, it's like it's on you. Oh, yeah. as a band leader. So, but that that wasn't um, you. Kind of came to that over time. You you, you stepped into that, but you you right. or that you know because well, yeah. you wanted to your. I mean, I, I'm presuming because you wanted to to focus more on on your song the songwriting and and. Well, maybe, this is you know. funny. I, you know, we we skipped something earlier that I, th- I I've been thinking about a lot recently, and that was you and I used to play acoustic guitars at the coffee shop. There was a little supposed yeah. coffee shop at the Y or in high school. Or in high school, jealous and guy. We did. Yeah, we did yeah. a bunch of cool tunes. Yeah, uh, we did. Uh, yeah, some good ones. Uh, some Cat Stevens, some Zeppelin. Um, but. Uh, at that time, every time we played one of those, I would break a string. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Right away, yeah. I'd break a string. And I think, you know, it's because of my nerves. I uh-huh. was very nervous about what we were doing. And I think that's a thread that's gone through from that first time I wrote a song and played it for somebody to when we played in high school, you know, to giving up being in the front at all and going to the back in the mm-hmm. drums and, and being comfortable in that space not having to, you know, be out there in the front, uh, to being a, you know, a side guitar man, um, it all is much more, um, you know, it, it's much easier for me to to handle, you know, and I don't break strings anymore like I used to, but um, I, you know, 
I can't. I've been told, you know, that uh, you know, I I could open my eyes a little bit more when I sing, and you know, I mean, I I still there's a lot of remnants mm-hmm. of uh, of that in my uh, in me still. So what is it? So what is it that drives you that that gives you the the motivation to right. just push that aside and, and do your thing? Like what? Yeah, um, if you could name it, if you could. Uh, if it's something you I, thought yeah, to. yeah, because I think, as I said, I think it's a it's a particular brand of fire that that I bring that I, I feel is unique and and I don't and I want to express it. You know, mm-hmm. um, the things that I love about music that I've. You know what I remember from deep, you know, way long ago when I was called a guitar player at you know whatever age I was, and um, the thing that I love, I want to give to other people and have them love it too. Mm. And what I hear and what I think is cool, um, I want them to see the beauty in that. You know, and the best way to do that is really create it. When I, you know, I lived out in Portland, Oregon, and and loved the music there, mm. and you know. Uh, we saw so much live music, and I never played it any. Right, I was going to ask there. you about that because it, it seemed, yeah. that seems like a kind of a forgiving, like a very welcoming scene. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That would no. have been a perfect opportunity if you say, "Hey, I got some it songs." Also, I played a couple open mics and things, yeah. and I had friends that I started to jam with, and and they were it, those were good little projects that I could have pursued. But I was just more than happy being an early twenty year old, like hanging out in Portland, Oregon, and you know, and seeing, soaking up the music there because. That's still to this day the most influential music in my writing today. That I would say for sure. Of all the great music that you and I have listened to, mm-hmm. and my parents and everything that's been brought to me ever since then, uh, the music of Portland, Oregon, to me is the, I hold um, as you know some of the greatest you know that I've gotten into and I've really uh, delved into. So, so when I when I left Portland, I. I didn't hear that music anymore. Hmm. And so, not that I create that music, but I definitely draw an inspiration from it. So how do you, how do you describe that scene? Like, what, what is it about the, that music? If you mentioned specific artists or, or just what you experienced there that you found so influential? Well, uh, the kind of the founding fathers of that scene, I would say, are the Holy Modal Rounders, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, Peter Stanfield and Steve Weber, and, and they, they lived in, in Greenwich Village here, in the early 60s, like 63, 64, 65 maybe, and they were known as the uh, first psychedelic folk mm-hmm. music. And then they eventually moved out to Portland and um, made a band. They were, they were just a duo, a, a guitar and fiddle, and they, they got a band out in Portland and beca- you know, became a, a psychedelic uh, folk rock band. Um, fun-loving, you know... Uh, swinging around country swing uh mm. music and um and uh, you know pretty psychedelic and, and mm. odd looking odd sounding and odd looking and everything the whole experience so anyway they stayed out there for a long time and that they're the really the founders of that scene i would say they were playing uh when you were living out there no no i wish i i well you know i only missed them by a, a few years uh stanfall peter stanfall came back to new york city you know soon maybe the 80s early 80s i think it was probably um, so he left and came back, but Weber stayed out there and continued that music with um, Jeffrey Fredericks, who is an incredible, uh, you know, uh, founding father out from out there. And um, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, um, some other people, Billy Kennedy, and 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 those those guys out there. Um, 
continued that legacy, and then then it moved into the Freak Mountain Ramblers, which uh, for me we would see at least once a week for you know four or five years. We we did that. We saw them so much, and uh, they had some of the band the band members from Holy Modals were in the Freak Mountain Ramblers. The bass player, you know, Dave Reich, and the drummer Roger Willie North, um, and then some of the guys from Lace Clams which was another band that was associated with them. And then Michael Hurley, who is one of the great uh, folk uh, songwriters, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I just love that guy. Uh, he was there as well in the Unholy Rounders. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then he, he's really, he's in Astoria though. He's still out there in Astoria and he plays in Brooklyn like once or twice a year. And it's a great show and you should go. It's usually a union, union pool. Union pool. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, so you're funny because we've known each other th then mm. and since then, and I, I just hadn't, hadn't, I, you know, this is still new music to me, so I'm excited oh, to, great. to dive into that. It's great. I, and I think I'm ready. Yeah. Psychedelic <laughs> Folk from 1963, Greenwich Village. Yeah. And actually, yeah, and they were the first to use the word psychedelic in a song, and they they would take old American standards and, you know, really really play with them the, I saw the documentary I think you lent it to me or something or maybe I saw it somewhere else the documentary about them Bound to Lose pretty wacky yeah, yeah <laughs> Bound to Lose is a great one yeah it's great <laughs> those guys are hilarious I yes yes <laughs> um, and then it? Jimmy Boyer uh, who became the the greatest of that Portland scene who passed away a couple of years ago but he was the uh, everybody you know loved Jimmy and uh Everybody still loves Jimmy. That was a, a sad loss from a couple of years ago. But, uh, he, you know, he, he lived about 47 years old, but he was one of the greatest songwriters of that scene, um, playing in that band, Freak Mountain Ramblers. Um, and he is a, a legacy that's indelible. He was just in, in, uh, inducted in the Oregon Hall of, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame hmm. last year, um, the first year. You know, it was like two years after he died. He just died a couple of years ago. And, um you know, but just the most humble and you know beautiful guy, and uh, so that's another person to check out for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. So, so while you were there, so you you were just kind of soaking it up. You you had no at that point. You felt like maybe you needed <clears throat> more time to get um, get yourself, let's say, um, put yourself you know to share your music, your more personal music, or, or to get more involved in that scene I mean it seemed like before yeah. maybe if you had stayed there you know you, yeah, you might have gotten more involved might performing sure. more with that whole scene you know obviously so then what's like going home every time I've gone back it's 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 just such a beautiful experience but yeah go ahead. What sounds like you, I mean it sounds like you have I mean I know you have the song you know Portland which is you know find I do. my way back to Portland I do it's I like do. a like a you know um a promised land kind of kind of vibe to it, <laughs> which which it re really comes across in the song. Mm. Mm. Um, so why why didn't you stick around stick around there and and you know what like it seems like that was you, that was kind of an idyllic place for you to be. Well, the thing about Portland is that once you're there, you may you'd never leave. <laughs> you know, and and you I I could have had the time of my life literally um, going to the same bars, seeing the same music drinking the same beer, drinking the same coffee in the morning, doing that for, you know, 40 years. And that there's nothing wrong with that, but like never, you know, clearly I never played music when I was there. You know, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't motivated to create mm. myself. I was motivated to enjoy. And, uh, 
you know, was uh, yeah. There's that E.M. Forrester, you know, that story um, where he, he sees the promised land and, and he and he wants to stay, and uh, I don't know. And that staying really means just a, a, a stagnation of right. you know, whatever. I, I felt that way. About, I don't know about New yeah. Paltz, New York. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, you could stay forever and yeah. do the same things, and yeah. and you look around you, and and there are people that you know have been doing this for mm-hmm. forty years, mm-hmm. and you're cool around, with that, yeah. and they look happy, they look happy, but not particularly ambitious, but not at all ambitious, <laughs> and I've never been overly mm-hmm. ambitious either. So, but a little part of me was screaming like, you know what, you could do this forever. Maybe you should try. You've seen this, you've lived it, you've loved it. I'll always love it, but. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and they, you know, I still love the people that are there, and I love the the whole thing, even though it's become a different type of place a little bit. But How often do you go there? It's about once a year. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, it was like five years I didn't go, and then now I go about once a year. Okay, so you came back to New and, York. You've, you yeah. got that. You got that torn feeling of like I could right? stay here, but I but I need to grow a little bit elsewhere. So then you came back to New York. Did you have Did you have in mind? Um, at some point, at, soon after that, you got married, right? That was yeah, yeah, right. yeah. In 07, yeah. Um, so, do you you kind did you kind of have a plan laid out in your mind, like what you in terms of what you can do? With me? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Not usually. <laughs> well, right, but but I'm saying, but in terms of like an image of what you could see yourself doing because i know you got you got in, into the the each village scene, you got into the, yep. you know new heathens and that. Sure. Um, did you, in terms of getting married, was that something that that you, um, you know, was was clear with you? Because I know I know that you know your wife is super supportive. Like that, that's the impression I get oh, yeah. that you know of, of what you're doing musically, and mm. um, and mine is too. And it's like um, not typical, <laughs> you know, from from people no, I not. see. No, it is not. I mean, you know, most people either choose the the family or the the art, and you don't find. Many and that's that's again one of the main themes of this podcast is that kind of unique <clears throat> space. In fact, we you know, my wife and I were just um, binge watching this uh, <laughs> this uh, show. Um, it's called Mrs. Maisel. She she oh yeah I've heard really that. likes it. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a good show. Um, but it has a moment in it where there's this painter who well, she has a she has a, I'm not well, hopefully you know spoiler alert if anyone's interested in the show but she has <laughs> a spoiler man. She has a a dilemma mm. where it's like, is she gonna go for the family life, which mm. is kind of what's expected of a woman, or is she gonna go into like full throttle into her comedy? And she meets this artist who basically, you know, pushes away the whole commercial world and 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 has painted a painting that no one has ever seen, but it's like the greatest painting ever. Mm. And, they, and he says to her. Um, you know, once I painted this painting, I realized I'm never going to get... I, I kind of wanted a marriage. I kind of wanted a family. Mm. But I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have that. Because I, I already just chose my thing. And, and I'm I'm alone. Like, I've, I poured everything yeah. into my art. And I'm and I, I, sitting there with my wife, you know, you know, who's so supportive of the art. And, mm. I, and I really believe... And I, I just said, you know, I don't believe that. <laughs> just, I don't believe it. Right. Like, that is a myth. that it, Or that is a, a contention a lot of people hold. But it's something that I, I'm presuming that we share in that that you don't hold that hmm. that you can you can reach as high as you can are you you're capable of as an artist and have a a family life that's like full and and present 
Um, was that something you struggled with or something you thought about when you first got married? You know, or yeah, sensitive? I mean, you know, one of the reasons you're with that person is because you love them and they love you. And she saw when I first moved to New York, I did not play music. And I, you know, worked in a in an office in uh, across from Rockefeller Center, and it was in, know on the twenty seventh <laughs> floor, or whatever, and it was in a cubicle. Wow! And um, she saw how miserable that was for me, and um, she knew me then. And she, one night, I, I literally one night it was you know tossing and turning in bed and and feeling bad about not playing music and doing anything. It went on to Craigslist, which is, at the time was pretty new. And um, sent one email to some guy that was looking for a guitar player for a band that guys a guy that likes Steve Earle and Chuck Berry and um, oh a few other people that I was like yep 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 mm -hmm. like these people sent an email and after a series of you know tryouts and rehearsals and this and that got the job and that was with the New Heathens and that oh, was, wow. yeah so um, I think I was ripe. For, for getting back into music and in some ways, if you want to say the universe or whatever what was right for me to get back into music as well and, and sending that one email that one night um, changed all that and she saw me happier hmm. and, and she's, she knows that I'm happier, uh, you know, with uh, doing music and she wouldn't know uh, what else I would be happy doing and neither do I really. So. <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, happy happiness, and and then you have a couple kids, and there's nothing wrong with that, and they realize what makes you happy, and there's no shame in that. If if uh, you know, if that's music, or if that's you know, um, whatever it is in your life that that you you do, uh, try and be the truest to what you can be, and hopefully that rubs off on the people that love you, and that 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 want to accept you for um, your, you know, that want to see you and the, the trueness of, of who you are shine to the rest of the world as well. I think, I think it's a beautiful way to look at it because it's, it's uh, the potential conflicts that come up often, the perspective you're describing mm. is like, put puts everything into, into uh a mutually supportive, like people looking out for each other kind of yeah. setup. Whereas I think sometimes what what people struggle with, I don't know if this is something you've struggled with, I know it's something I've struggled with. When there's a conflict between like the family and let's say a gig or, or a rehearsal or, or, or even just a time in the home when you want you feel like picking up a guitar and it's just not you know, someone else in the home is just not having it, whether it's a kid who needs yeah. attention or a wife needs attention or that that sometimes you know at this point i think i've i've come far enough that like i realize there's going to be a moment that inspiration will come again yeah i have something more important um and I, if i pay attention to this to these people in my life then i'll have more time for that but but the i think the emotion that comes up the thought that comes up hmm. and sometimes the the actual accusation that comes up He's like, well, you're being selfish. You're, you're, are, I don't know if you've ever gotten this. And, and from what you're, the way you're talking, it doesn't sound like you have, but it's like. Told that I'm being selfish. Well, not told in so many words necessarily, but that vibe that's like, well, you know, 
you want to pit you want you want to do this right now but you're neglecting x and y you're just doing it for yourself mm. and, I, and i know it's not that's not a higher way for anyone to think but sometimes it just comes about sure, it. i mean if it sounds like for me what you're saying that 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 doesn't really well come I, into it because then i start to doubt my in my own experience yeah. i start to doubt myself like maybe it is selfish you know and, and i've had it's taken me many years to realize you know what like yeah, even if it seems selfish to someone or someone else, I, you know, this is what I need to be doing, and mm. it's it's beyond me, you know, or only me, even though it makes me happy. I don't know. Maybe I'm dealing with some Jewish guilt. That you know, like. <laughs> no, man. I think I think a lot of people a lot of people do that, and I don't know if you can blame it on your occupation or your mm. whatever. I mean, all sorts of you a lot all sorts of people take selfish moments to themselves. In all sorts of ways, you know, yeah. whether it be staring at their f- telephone right. or whether you know, uh, going to the bar or uh, going on long vacations by themselves, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. or going on long drives, or going biking, or going, yeah. you know, mountain climbing. Everybody takes a moment to themselves when they feel like they need to connect with themselves. And, yeah, you know, there's no nothing wrong with music being that thing, right? Know? Well, but I think I think the, the yeah. difference between first of all, it's a healthy thing, obviously, in a healthy relationship, certain that's supported. I think the difference with music and any of those, almost any of those other things you've mentioned is that it can be consuming. You know what I mean? Like music can I, be. It could be very. You know what I mean? I, I could pick. You know, I could sit at the piano and then like a few hours later. I, you know, I mean, I, I used to be more like this. Now I'm a little bit more mm. aware of my surroundings. But it used to be like I would just be gone, you know. I'd be gone for hours, and like, and, and yeah. if if there's a relationship that that's need or some some responsibility that, that that's calling to me or someone that needs me, um, you know, I'm gone. You know, I'm like gone yeah. until I come out of that, you know. And and having to pull to kind yeah. of context, put that into a little bit of a of a time uh, frame rather than just like. Okay, I'm feeling yeah, yeah. I got to go there. You know. Yeah, I mean, for me, I wouldn't say it's like that just because I can, it's not so, I don't, you know, I, it's not so all-encompassing that mm-hmm. I can't step away for a little mm-hmm. while. Like, if I'm writing a song, you know, for the mm-hmm. most part, for me, it takes, you know, a month or so, mm-hmm. you know, to get the song where I feel like it's kind of ready. And so if I need to take a day or two or a week or two weeks, away from the song mm. that's not gonna kill the whole song and for me I, I work on a smaller on that level where it's like you know a lot of ideas but actually when I feel like a song I really have to enjoy the idea to get back to it and mm-hmm. um, to really finish it so um, I can step away and the only thing that's hard is the is the you know having kids and Having to go to gigs that that can be tough, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what prevents me from really going out and touring is mm. uh, it it really hurts the heart mm. and to leave them and then and then you I do feel a little uh, like that would be selfish mm. in some ways, you know, if I were to go away for a week or two or three or a month or whatever. Um, but you know, people do it. I know I know I have friends that that have young kids at home and and they go because uh, plenty of other occupations require people yeah. to, to go away and so that you know I shouldn't feel guilty about that but it's just very hard on the heart to try and go yeah. away for that long and you know for me anyway yeah I, yeah. I hear that um, so well, I guess what that's a whole that another topic mm-hmm. in terms of what, what yeah. I mean if, if that I guess you'd have to when that comes up you know yeah. it, let's say Obviously, if, a, if you're going to 
put that together yourself. But if someone's, let's say, you're getting pressure because things are happening and, and you, you know, you'd have to cross that bridge when it comes comes to it. I right, guess, right, right. That decision. But in terms of your, your songwriting, like your your work ethic, so you just wait. Do you, do you have like a regular writing time, or do you wait till kind of inspiration spikes, or or a little bit of both? The writing time is usually when nobody's home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's usually when nobody's home. If I can carve out, you know, an hour or two in the bedroom with the guitar, um, you know, um, that's when it usually happens. And usually I can find those hours when I need them at least once a day or every other day, hmm. you know, so I can find a couple hours. It's, you know, the kids are in school, the wife's working, and I, and I can find that time. And I, and I work my hours, but they're pretty... Uh, conducive to finding and a couple. Do of you hours. find when you have that time that you use it, like you appreciate the preciousness of it? Or like I know my experience, some, sometimes <laughs> I like waste. I like yeah. I know I know I have this hour, and it'd be great. You know, like I know like <clears throat> the most nurturing thing for my soul right now would yeah. be like get up and and play oh, piano yeah. or whatever. But like I'll just you know I'm just gonna. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I feel know. like it's all that's okay, food for the for yeah. the cause. I mean, like yeah. you know. Whatever you're, when you're happy, hopefully that's when you're going to write your good tunes right, and, right. or or sad or whatever it is. But it, whatever you're going through, if you yeah. go through it with an open, you know, just go to it, then hopefully that's just food for, the, yeah, like I said, food for the cause. Like if I want to go get a coffee um, and take an hour to go sit or, or walk and, and listen to music, um, I find that that's you know usually worthwhile, and I come back a little fired up, yeah. And I come back ready to to hit the hit the guitar if I if I've allocated that time for that. Mm-hmm. Usually, I'll use it. Yeah. So so you average about a song a month. Yeah. I mean a finished yeah finished song a month. Yeah. Do you have a lot, um, do you have a lot of ideas? That, I don't know that, about finished. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're ready for like but a lot of ideas to be introduced to the band. I mean to. Re- yeah, yeah. For the most part, I could. Uh, yeah, about that. Cool. And then if I feel like if, if I like it, then I may finish it even more. Right, right. So I mean, that's a good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it's, it's be, finished to an extent, but then there's more finishing. The more it calls to you, the more the right. more you want to exactly. engage with it. Right. So let's so let's talk about your your bands. I know obviously I've been in your band, um, a previous incarnation, um, and then the you Buck have Ups, which Buck Phelps in the Buck Ups. Yeah, which which Check went, it out went, went through a couple of. So I just recently I listened back to that album. And it still stands up. It was a great time I think so recording too. it, and and it's really fun to listen to. And then um, you did this EP, Heavy Pour, yep. which sounds great, by the way. That Thank was recorded you. in your apartment, uh, a friend of mine's apartment, Luca Dvorak. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have this new album coming out with a, with a new band with a band. So first of all, I love the band name, Elevators. Mm-hmm. Um, like not the the machine, the you know. Right, like lifting up, ERS elevator. So I, I really appreciate that. It's actually, <clears throat> I was um, coming across a, um, one of the the specific teaching on music, mm. the nature of music, mm. and I saying the whole um, essence of music mm. is about lifting up. Mm-hmm. Is about like growth and and lifting yeah. up, and so yeah. it's just like a, <laughs> it's yeah. a really it really gets to the essence of things. So. Well, in some ways, the buck ups also was a yeah similar, a similar direction. Up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me about tell me about the new band because I don't I I right. haven't kind of had a chance to come check you out. I've, I've been yeah been planning to yeah yeah. Um, it's the band is great. The band is is a great band. It's it's incredible. They're all um, amazing dudes, and you know, 
world-class musicians and and they're just amazing and i, I love them all um it's sometimes a revolving door not i wouldn't say revolving door but sometimes we got pieces mm-hmm. a couple pieces here and a couple pieces there so usually it's the same two or three guys on most instruments it's always Stephen williams on drums it's always kevin bachelor on the trumpet uh it's either skip ward on bass and or keith christopher on bass uh or um or brett bass um and then, you know, sometimes our old friend uh, Brian Karp also sits in. Uh, and then on guitar, we had uh, Luba Dvorak was the guitar player for the first, what, year, year and a half. And then he moved to Houston. And uh, we had uh, Graham Norwood play guitar, and he was incredible as well. So like, you like to have the two guitar set up? I like to have an acoustic. I, you know, with this band, I went to acoustic. I was like, I'm gonna just, mm-hmm. you know, with the buck ups, I was very electric and yeah. very, uh, you know, sort of out there um, with a lot of, you know, the, that vibe, much more electric. This one, I decided I was gonna go, you know, pl- I was gonna play the acoustic, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and outsource to the to the professionals had it, you know, the um, electric guitar. And it's worked out great, and um, so I've I've had some incredible guitar players um, play for me. And while I acoustic, focus on the words, focus on the the singing, mm. and and just um, and that's kind of what this band is about a little bit for me. Is is um, not me trying to play it uh, necessarily with the most prominent you know uh, mm. musicality coming from me. It's really write the songs play them as hard as I can and as well as I can with these great musicians and really have them lift them up. So that's, they're really the elevators is the band um, uh-huh. and they're really lifting me up and anybody that comes to see yeah, us, I yeah. think. Yeah. So so, um, so who's on the album? Is that... A, there are a couple guys. All, most of the guys you mentioned. Yeah. And then Keith Christopher, um, who is... Yeah, Keith is, yeah. Keith is a, a, <laughs> an amazing man and uh, musician. Um, and if you don't know him, you should check him out. But uh, he he plays bass on about half the tunes. He came in, um, and um, yeah. So uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much the, all the musicians on there. And then Charlie Giordano is the piano player um, in that on that first tune, and, mm-hmm. and a couple other. He did some accordion. There's some organ on there too. Yeah, and in the organ, he did that too. He's Bruce Springsteen. He tours with Springsteen. No, yeah. currently. Currently. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> Skip Ward, we we recorded a song late one night. It was the last song. Everybody wanted to go home. He's like, well, let's just try one more. Yeah. And I was like, all right. He's like, what else you got, man? Mm-hmm. So I showed him this one. He's like, well, let's just do it. He's like, he brought everybody back in. Yeah. It was a great moment, you know, that I was, I was again, feeling serious and wanting to stay. And uh, But I also don't want to, you know, push people and, and be like, come on, guys. <laughs> But Skip was willing to do that. He was like, "No, no, let's do that. Do one more." And so we recorded that one. And which then song was that? That was the first song on the record. Okay. Now it's it's called "Light the Way." It's the first song on the record. And um, and then he said, "I, you know, Charlie Giordano lives right around the corner. Let me text him." And uh, so he came right over. This is you know eleven o'clock or whatever. And um, he put down the piano and just killed it in <laughs> one take. And then he's like, "You know, this really could use some organ. Does that B three work?" And so we were like, yeah. So he fired that up, laid down another killer take. And then in another tune, he's like, well, what else you got? He put down some piano on, um, beautiful piano on, on a song on there that's probably one of my favorites called Boiling Heart. 
And he played that piano, and then he said, well, this could use some accordion. He got the hmm. accordion, played a little wow. accordion. I mean, he was just game for anything, and it was, it was great. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. He's a great, great guy, yeah. So that ha- happened very organically as well, and, and really from the band. It was really Skip that was like, dude, let's, let's keep going. And I couldn't, couldn't have been happier you know, that he said that. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so one of the tunes, so all the tunes were new to me, mm-hmm. except for Big Easy. Right. Which, so what inspired you to re-record that? Well, that is on a, um, a, a, a great friend of mine, Ariane Moyad, is a, uh, an actor and a director and a, and a, and a, a writer, and he wrote a show called The Accidental Wolf, uh, which you can see is for free. It's online. It's accidentalwolf.com. And, and they just finished their second season. And it's, um, they're kind of like webisodes. They're, it, it's amazing. Uh, I couldn't be happier that how great that show is. He's got, mm-hmm. he's got you know, Emmy Award winning or whatever. You know, he's got great actors. And uh, he wrote it and directed it and produced it. And anyway, um, maybe he didn't produce it, but... Uh, Anyway, so he, he asked me if we would play that song as a live band in the background of one of the scenes. Hmm. And so we played uh, Big Easy in, this, uh, in the beginning of one of these song, uh, episodes. And it's a great, the soundtrack is, it, it just, it's so integral to the, to the scene. He really wrote the whole scene around the song. Yeah. And it's one take, it's this fascinating shot. He brings us in and it's a one long, like two minute take. Uh, with the band playing in the background and everything. So anyway, uh, it's a great scene. You should check it out. But we decided we should really, you know, record that. And we only changed it from a major to a minor. I don't know if you mm-hmm. noticed that. But um, from the the earlier version was on the Buckups record. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, and then Kevin takes a, just a hellacious trumpet solo on there. And he did that in the in the show. And then we gave him the space to do that. Um, at the in you know, on this recording, and he yeah, he just kills it. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. So he blows album, that sounds thing. really really yep. great. So when when is it when is it coming out? Do you have official release date? Uh, we're having a release show February twenty second. It's a Friday night at nine o'clock over at Rockwood Music Hall, okay. and that's on stage one. Yeah, when, a decent chance this this episode could get out by then. Oh, great! So, yeah. yeah, awesome. <laughs> Please come by. I mean, we, you know, that's we hope to have. Um, some product, you know, to sell. We never, we never know if it's going to actually arrive by then, but it'll be available. Um, I think that's just the release day as well. Cool. Uh, yeah, it was, it's all just kind of coming together right now. I just heard the music in its completed form like four days ago, and and I think it, you know, it sounds great. So, to me, a lot of the the theme of almost every song in here um, is change. Um, like it or not, you know, change, mm-hmm. here it is. So um, to me, I, I, you know, I think now that I have perspective of hearing the whole record, mm-hmm. I realize that so many of those songs for me were about that and that they were really, um, you know, so a song like Woke Up Upside Down, right? Yeah. Like that uh, for me, yeah. you know, it, rarely do I wake up hearing a song and that one I did. Um, and I got up and I was... I didn't know it at the time, but I was starting a very heavy flu <laughs> that morning, and I had a, a horrible flu the rest of the like week and a half. But um, and I had a band rehearsal that day, and I woke up and and I just heard that, and I knew for me what it meant, um, and it means so many things to me, really. Um, 
but um, this idea of, um, you know, crossing a line or being afraid to cross the line and then crossing a line. And then what is that, what, you know, what is that feeling? And so, um, you know, I think uh, that was a big, big thing for me. And, and um, it's hard not to contextualize a lot of writing these days without looking at the political landscape. And I, and I think definitely for me, you know, I woke up upside down, you know, the day, the, the morning that Trump was elected, you know, uh, I definitely woke up upside down. I think a lot of people did, um, you know, but that's not all it means for sure. Um, I think it has to do with relationships and, um, you know, anybody that you feel like can rock your world and, um, whether you really wanted them and a change of perspective and uh, whether you wanted it or not, you know, here it is. So that one, um, I really, I, I like that one. We were going to, I really kind of wanted to leave the album with that one, but I was kind of talked out of it, but um, cause it is, a, a, you know, it's a bit mellow, but I, you know, I, I love it. So uh, I like that one, but I love them all. I love them all for so many, you know, for all for different reasons. And, and the theme, that particular theme of, of change, like it or not, um, is in almost every other song. Hmm. Beautiful, man. Well, yeah. I, I really appreciate you coming yeah. all the way out to Crown Heights. Yep, yep. Crown Heights. And, uh, it's a cool space, man. I love this. I love this. This is great. Thanks, man. This is where the, the magic yeah. um, <laughs> lives. <laughs> you bring, you're bringing the magic, man. Oh. Anyway, anyone who comes here does. Uh, yeah. Well, so maybe let's, let's make some music, yeah? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's jam, man. Right. It's just like the old days, freshman year. Freshman year. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll do my, my knee, knee dip dance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Little Joshy Boogie.
That was Woke Up Upside Down by Butch Phelps and the Elevators off their brand new album. Again, thanks to Butch for coming out and sharing with us his story and his jolly presence. <laughs> Go check out butchphelpsmusic.com to get info on the album, Butch's other recordings, his shows, etc. Also want to thank our Patreon supporters for making these uh, podcast episodes possible. Again, you can join their ranks at soundheightsrecords.com or go to patreon.com slash soundheightsrecords. Until next time, remember, with abundant singing and playing of music, we bring about the true and complete redemption. See you next time. <laughs>